0: Hello, and welcome to Pacific Roots Magazine podcast. Welcome to Pacific Roots Magazine podcast, we are here with Elise Buckle, Director of Climate and Sustainability and the facilitator and coordinator of the Planetary Emergency Partnership. Correct? Mm-hmm. And I first, um, I first learned about Elise and the work that you're doing through the recent, um, I don't know what to call it. Was it a webinar or a pre- presentation about the planetary emergency partnership? And I remember being really excited. It was a really great discussion and presentation um, and I really valued everything. I took so many notes. I have my notes here in front of me from that, from that meeting. It was on March 25th um, and you facilitated that. Um, Of course, in light of current times, you know, the notion of emergency being even more amplified. But so I wanted to meet with you and host this podcast dialogue with you and learn about the Planetary Emergency Group, who founded it and when and the mission.
1: Thank you so much, Anita, Anika, for this invitation. So the planetary emergency partnership started last year actually with a core group of partners, including WWF, the club of Rome and the Potsdam Institute. And so we have a core group also now is nature for climate and, uh, and also global optimism, the group working with Cristiana Figueres. And we have a larger partners group, which includes now 185 partners from around the world. What is very unique about this group is the diversity of voices. So we have the UN, we have some governments, we have business leaders, a lot of civil society leaders and also scientists and economists and experts from the health sector and from the environmental sector. So what we've been trying to do recently was to break down the silos and build a common narrative on how we can respond to this crisis, this health crisis that we are experiencing right now around the world. And this is actually a time for unity and solidarity. So we wanted to build bridges between the humanitarian community, the climate community, and the nature community. Because we feel that we are in a planetary emergency right now. It's actually one planetary emergency. This crisis, this health crisis, is a symptom of something deeper and and bigger. Uh, For many years, as human beings, we've been destroying biodiversity. There's been a lot of deforestation, wildlife trafficking. The way we eat and produce meat is also not sustainable. And so that has been increasing the risk of pandemics. Scientists have been predicting pandemics for years. About 70 70 or 75% of the viruses come from animals. and, uh, and, And the risk is increasing because we, in a way, the relationship between people and nature is broken. So it's also an existential crisis because we need to rethink the way we live, uh, the way we work, the way we eat, etc. And this is actually a good time to rebuild this partnership between people and nature and think about how we will rebuild the economy and how we can have a more harmonious uh, relationship between people and nature. So with this planetary emergency partnership, we've been aligning our messages and we wrote an open letter to leaders Uh, Really connecting the dots between biodiversity, human health, but also the economic recovery and the need to work on climate and a just transition for for a safe climate. So we wrote this open letter and um, we were surprised that actually the Financial Times uh, agreed to publish it. Um, So that's also when you see that some very conventional uh, newspapers are more open to new ideas. And then the letter was signed by more than 3,000 leaders and scientists from around the world. So starting with the Minister of Costa Rica, Carlos Manuel Rodriguez, Minister of Environment. Costa Rica is very much a champion of uh, climate action, but also uh, reforestation and nature protection. And Costa Rica is also a champion in terms of the just transition. They they were able to, to support millions of people to come out of poverty by providing access to health and education. Um, So our open letter is basically three messages. One is that we need a very strong global solidarity response, so for sure we need a lot of solidarity with the most vulnerable people and also the most vulnerable nations. Because of the economic crisis a lot of people are losing their jobs, people are starting to lose um, access to food. In India for example, there will be mass migrations So it's really a time for solidarity and and also the time for the rich nations to show solidarity with with the poorer nations. Our second message is that this is the time to look at a green economic recovery. So we should not forget our commitments to fulfill the, uh, the objectives of the Paris Agreement, the sustainable development goals, and also the need to reverse the loss of nature. So the G20 finance ministers are going to meet next week uh, on the 15th of April, and they're going to decide about uh, how they're going to invest trillions of dollars into the economy. So we want to make sure that these investments go to the right place, that we don't go back to a fossil fuel economy, that we phase out fossil fuels, and we invest in clean energy, clean transport, and also in the restoration of nature. And our third message is that biodiversity and climate need to stay at the top of the agenda. Even if we don't have the Climate COP this year and we don't have the Biodiversity COP this year, uh, we would like to have an online planetary emergency summit to keep the momentum and, and really um, make sure that leaders don't focus only on the short-term economic growth, but also focus on the longer term, on how we can make our societies more resilient in the long term uh, on health, on climate and on biodiversity. Uh,
0: the summit, <clears throat> that's being, that's in the works, the on, Online planet, Planetary Emergency Summit.
1: So there's nothing set, nothing set in stone right now, but we are talking to the Minister of Costa Rica and also to the UN, the Secretary General's office in New York and UNFCCC to see if in September during uh, the UN General Assembly, uh, we don't know yet if people will be able to travel or not, so there might be, a lot of these meetings may happen online, but it will be a time for sure for leaders from around the world to come together and, and to share their statements and their new take on this economic recovery. So we feel that could be a good time to have um, a summit on the planetary emergency on basically how is it that we can address this crisis in a more, through a more systemic approach. So addressing the humanitarian crisis, the nature crisis and the climate crisis together, uh, because we feel this is part of the same system and, and, and this is the time to think through um, you know, a more equitable and sustainable economy. So, so we're hoping that it will happen, but it, of course we need the UN to support it and we need uh, countries also to, to, um, to take the, the leadership.
0: So the Planetary Emergency Group was founded which, uh, in 2019, which month? It
1: started actually in beginning of the year, I would say, January or February 2019. So, it's, so the partnership has been around for a year, but in the last three weeks, it's been growing a lot. I think be, because people were a little bit lost now in this COVID-19 crisis, so our group has gone from maybe 30 partners to 185 partners.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then of course there's a larger group of leaders and scientists, now more than 3000 people who have signed the open letter to leaders to, to really look at the green recovery. So there is a lot of energy behind it. I think that it's also a time when there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of negative messages in the media. And in a way this is the space of hope where we want to discuss the solutions and, and, uh, and we feel this is the moment to, to think about the society we want, the future we want to choose, um, and to think to be innovative in terms of how we can rebuild this economy. For example, governments can include some conditions in their bailout packages to companies to make sure they move from combustion engines for cars to electric vehicles. So it's really a time where you can be very bold. If the political leadership is there, we can make a lot of change, a lot of positive change happen.
0: Exactly. This is what I really liked about your messaging and the, and the energy of the group from the time I first experienced um, what you're doing through that first meeting in late March. Um, the, just the very fact that it's addressed as a crisis. It's not... It's not the planetary hope; it's planetary emergency. It's uh, straight away addressing that there is a global, a global crisis occurring. Uh, but the energy of the group is so solutionary. Um, but I find it interesting that you you were founded about a year ago, and then to hear about uh, quite rapidly this this current crisis, how much it's then impact um, involvement from partners all around the world. It's really. Pretty incredible.
1: Yes, well in a way you know what the 12 heads of states were saying in September last year was very visionary because they were they were saying there is a planetary emergency we are reaching tipping points on climate on biodiversity and scientists were also saying that there is a greater risk of pandemics although that was not in the news at the time. So sadly I think a lot of the truth of the scientific truth has become reality Uh, But the space of hope is that we know where the solutions are. There are so many solutions now that we have in our hands in terms of nature-based solutions. Uh, Nature-based solutions are very cost-effective and they can help us to deliver win-win-win opportunities. So for example, mangroves, if you plant mangroves, this is good for carbon sequestration because the trees absorb carbon. It's also very good for resilience in terms of coastal resilience to protect the communities against sea level rise and natural disasters. And mangroves are also the natural habitats for fish, uh, providing proteins and food for families. So there are so many solutions like this. We know they work. It's just a matter of political leadership and finance to scale them up. And because there will be so much money injected into the economy, this is actually the time to invest in nature-based solutions. And then all the other solutions, I think all of you know them, uh, moving to renewable energy. I mean, renewable energy is now cheaper than coal. Um, public transportation. We have data now very showing that when we, when we stop, the air quality is better. Although I've also seen that when the air quality is bad, uh, the people who have COVID get even more, more sick. Uh, so there is a direct link between air quality and, and health. So this is also the time to think about cleaner cities, cleaner transport, and the solutions are available. So we have everything we can dream of to make a better world. It's just a matter of scaling them up and and of course, political leadership.
0: Right, exactly. <clears throat> and also one of the things you mentioned early on, of course, the entire reality of our relationship with nature, humanity's nat- relationship with nature being broken, and also this particular crisis. Um, of course there's a lot of speculation that we're not exactly sure where where COVID began but there obviously is a lot of attention on the wildlife um, trafficking and um, and then and then secondary look at meat production which is you know um, definitely an issue for future pandemics uh, which is what this current crisis highlights as well and we need to be very cautionary of in the future so how does the group um, work with those issues as well.
1: Yes. So we just, uh, we've just put together a list of key policy asks to go to the G20 next week. And one of them is about sustainable food systems. So, uh, there are different aspects, but one is to invest in uh, what is called regenerative agriculture. So an agriculture that is actually taking care of the soil, healthy soils, and also having more diversity of crops, crop rotation, having agroforestry where you mix trees and crops. Um, so this is more in terms of the production. Now, if you go from, uh, from the soil to the fork, the other side is also for consumers to have a healthy diet that is based on plants more than, than animals. Um, it's clearly, uh, you know, it's been demonstrated that it's good for the planet because it will reduce greenhouse gas emission, but it's also good for your health. Um, so bl- plant-based diet, you can also reduce the risk of these pandemics, because um, the way we have now industrial meat production, we are packing so many animals in a very uh, very small, confined space uh, where, where viruses and bacteria can multiply. So this is really not healthy for animals. it's not good for their well-being. And in the end, it is being passed on to humans. Um, so I'm not saying we should totally stop our meat consumption. Like, uh, there's, there are many debates around it also because sometimes to have cattle and animals in the field is also good for compost and for the health of the plants, but we should definitely reduce our meat consumption. Um, it has been increasing so fast in particular in the U S but now it's coming to China as well. That is just not, not sustainable. Also, if we are 10 billion people on the planet.
0: Exactly. For people listening, um, <clears throat> where can people go to find out more about the work you're doing with the Planetary Emergency Group? And, for example, when the summit, um, when the online Planetary Emergency Summit is planned, where can people go find information about this? Mm-hmm.
1: So, for now, there are basically two places. One is uh, we are posting as much as we can on my own website, climate/sustainability.org. And the Club of Rome as well is, is publishing uh, uh, information on this. So you can look at this, these two sources. And uh, if there is an online planetary emergency summit, I think there will be a dedicated website for that. But we're not there yet.
0: <laughs> right. Well, the Club of Rome was something else I was curious about. What is their role in, in, uh, at the March 25th meeting um, it was very interesting hearing representatives from the Club of Rome also so what is what is their role with the with the group and their involvement
1: very important role so i'm I'm working very closely with sandrine de declef, who's the president of the Club of Rome, and they have a group of economists um, I've, i'm sure you know the Club of Rome has been one of the the pioneer organizations uh, inventing the concept of sustainable development and also Uh, Johan Rockström from the Potsdam Institute has invented the concept of planetary boundaries. So it's kind of like the brain force of the group because they have so many good economists. So this is also why they've been helping us to draft these recommendations on the green deal, on the green recovery for the G20 finance ministers meeting and also for the EU commission. Um, They are bringing a lot of expertise, very sharp expertise in terms of what works for the economy but also what works for the environment. And it's not that many economists who have, it's a very, you know, cross-sectoral, cross-disciplinary work um, to think about how we can reshape the economy while respecting the planetary boundaries. So that's, uh, yes, I would say the brain power.
0: (laughs) Also to I think for many listeners, the idea of planetary boundaries will be obvious. But if you don't mind sharing a bit, what is the concept of planetary boundaries as they have laid them out?
1: Mm -hmm. So it's basically the realization that uh, the planet has some limits. And uh, and I think until the 1950s, humanity has been developing a lot. And after the Industrial Revolution... Um, You know, there's been a a lot of focus on GDP growth. uh, But then there were several things happened. One was the realization that climate change was happening and that was caused by human activities. So because of human activities, there's more and more greenhouse gas emissions. And these emissions are being being, uh, stored in the atmosphere and will stay there for many, many years, hundreds of years. So there is a limit in terms of how much the earth can absorb, uh, how much carbon, how much, what the volume of greenhouse gas emissions that can be stored in the atmosphere without disturbing the the global climate. And so according to the scientists, uh, we should not go beyond 350 uh, particle per meter of of, uh, CO2 equivalent. And we are now reaching that limit. So if we go beyond that limit, it means the global temperature will go beyond 1.5 or 2 degrees of temperature increase compared to pre-industrial level. And if we go beyond that limit, there will be tipping points. For example, the ice uh, in the Arctic will melt. This is causing sea level rise. This is also changing the currents of the oceans. Um, And it can create massive destruction because of... um, weather patterns will be changing, so in some parts of the world you can have more drought, in other parts of the world you can have massive floods, Um, and also a lot of islands and and coastal cities will disappear because of sea level rise. This is just one example, there are many other causes of, of global warming. So just to say this is one limit is the climate, is how much the earth, how much the atmosphere can, um, can capture and can, can keep um, greenhouse gas emissions. Of course, we have the oceans and the forest that can absorb some of these emissions, but it's not unlimited. The other thing is in terms of biodiversity, uh, we see that about 60% of species have disappeared in the last 50 years. So we are talking about the sixth uh, extinction crisis uh, the way we had, you know, a long time ago, the dinosaurs and, and many, many species disappearing. And this is because we are destroying nature at a very rapid scale, um, in terms of deforestation, in terms of the land we use for agriculture, for urban area, for building new houses everywhere. And so there is also a limit in terms of how much nature can recover from, from this uh, this destruction. So I think this, and then of course you have other examples, the resources of uh, oil and gas are not unlimited. Um, All the natural resources are not unlimited. Water resources are limited, especially with climate change. If there is more stress, uh, for example, in the Sahel, the Lake Chad has been shrinking. So there's less and less water. So it's basically this idea that if we want to have a better future for humanity and for future generations, we need to take into account these planetary boundaries and and basically keep some resources for future generations.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's <clears throat> it's fundamental to our survival <laughs> if we want to survive. And I liked what you said in the March twenty fifth meeting as well that uh, this current chapter is a signal that nature is giving us. Mm-hmm. Um, I had that note um, and that there's obviously a connection between. Um, wildlife tracking and deforestation and what's happening right now that's caused this extraordinary unprecedented chapter you know across earth with um, lockdowns like we have never seen before so
1: yes so for earth day which is on the 22nd of april uh, my colleague charlotte dufour is organizing a webinar and meditation called listening to the earth and and i like that framing because in a way as you say what what's happening is that as human beings we need to listen to the earth more we need to listen to these signals that there's something wrong that we need to correct and and build uh rebuild our partnership with nature and you know rebalance the relationship between people and
0: nature exactly uh, is there anything else you wanted to share? Well, you, I do like to touch on where people are at. You are currently, you live in Switzerland. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you don't mind sharing a bit about just the situation there right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm in Switzerland and I'm also a local counselor in my in my hometown. Um, so I would say for now, things are actually quite good in a way that's, I think the Swiss uh, hospitals and healthcare systems were, were ready. I mean, uh, so they're not totally overwhelmed. They have more people in intensive care than usual, but uh, it's still at, in a, at a level that is manageable. Uh, we, are, we are in a confinement uh, time, but we can still go out for a walk, um, just keeping social distance from other people. Uh, the schools are closed so most of us are working from home and trying to do some homeschooling for our kids uh, But I would say that so far it's it's okay and the Swiss government um, is quite resilient in t- resilient in terms of um, uh, They have a buffer in terms of the funding they can put on the table to support uh, low-income workers in this difficult time so um, we are actually in a, in an interesting time as well because with uh, as a local councillor with our group we're also talking about that same topic of what the economic recovery will look like and so uh, we are also working on the same messages on the green economic recovery making sure that there's not too much money going to fossil fuels uh, to airlines and <laughs> and that we actually take that time to invest in the right uh, in the right sectors and the right uh, systems for the future, Uh, we're more worried about, in a way, I feel more worried about what's happening in other parts of the world. Um, For example, in India, where people are losing their jobs and struggling with food security. Uh, So I'm quite, I'm quite concerned about that. I guess what's good about this crisis is that we all realize we are all interconnected. And all of us are are human beings in a way we're all brothers and sisters, you know, Um, facing this virus we're all equal in a way facing this virus in terms of health and uh, and we need to we need a lot of solidarity between people across borders because the virus doesn't have a passport it doesn't have a nationality it's not going to stop at the border and I feel the solutions also should be shared there needs to be more cooperation between countries to tackle this crisis and This is also a sign that just free market is not enough. You can't just leave it to the market. Uh, If we want to take care of public goods and I think public health is a public good and climate, safe climate and biodiversity, these are all public goods. And we're all one humanity sharing one planet and one health. And so there needs to be some kind of global governance to to make sure we protect these public goods for all of us as human beings. Um, independently of our nationality because we're all citizens of the world.
0: That's so That's so basic, but in a way really revolutionary to look at it like, yes, a healthy climate is a public good. And it, should be a, it should be a public right that we all enjoy a healthy, safe climate. Um, and I like how you said this virus has no passport. That's true. And it's also a bit of a precursor. I think it's already happening to, um, as we know, with a climate crisis, this can cause um, Migration as well um, when populations are going to be affected and resources limited you mentioned like Chad earlier but um, when when resources are going to Grow more limited in certain areas. This is also going to cause migration So while we might not feel it in one area, I mean the population is going to change very much with migrations due to um, shortage of resources so mm-hmm. this is also yes of that. and yeah. it's
1: not so much in the in the media right now but uh, there are still some uh, very strong uh, uh, cyclones in the pacific right now so you know climate change is still happening there's still a climate crisis it's just a bit more silent because the media is only talking about covid-19 but right. it hasn't stopped there are still people suffering from uh, extreme weather events in everywhere around the world so we should also keep that in mind
0: right exactly and we will close off here in a moment but that's also one thing i appreciate your group mentioning a lot is um bringing the silos more together so that the people talking about climate change are also connecting it to um, other environmental issues and humanitarian issues and they're all so interconnected that's what your group really focuses on those that interconnection, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Well, thank you so much for taking time um, to talk, and I will be including all the links uh, when I share this, and also looking forward to seeing the development of um, the Planetary Emergency Group and the work you do and uh, participating. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks to you, and I look forward to to sharing the link. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Pacific Roots Magazine podcast. Visit us online at pacificrootsmagazine.com.